Good morning. Good to see everyone here on this. The sun is actually out. I don't know for how long, but it's out right now. And that's good, right? For Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. And I just want to let all of you mothers know that there are flowers. There are carnations in the back, and each one of you can help yourself to those, uh, those carnations. And I, I thank God for godly mothers. I had a godly mother who, I believe, prayed me into heaven. <laughs> I needed a godly mother to pray me into heaven. <laughs> but I had one, and she did pray faithfully, so I would encourage you mothers to pray. I used to have a prison ministry. I used to go up into all the prisons in northern uh, New York here, up in Lake Placid, and I used to meet with the men, and the men would always tell me that rarely would they mention their fathers. As a matter of fact, the, the, the uh, commissaries don't even carry Father's Day cards in prisons, just to let you know. They really don't. Um, but they do carry Mother's Day cards. And in the Bible study, there were always the men that would always talk to me about their mother, their grandmother. My grandmother dragged me to church when I was a little boy, and she's been praying for me, or so on. So um, we praise God. And I think, you know, two people on the piano play just as good as one, don't you? <laughs> Laura's still here. <laughs> and baby, so praise God. We're, we're excited about that. Pastor Stephen and Mary are out in California. He's uh, walking today, receiving his doctorate in expository preaching at Masters. If you would like to watch that, I believe it's streaming online at 9 o'clock this evening. Six, six o'clock their time. So um, I'm just so thankful for, for Pastor Stephen and Mary, and um, what a blessing. What a blessing to me personally uh, is, is Pastor Stephen, and I know he's a blessing to many of you as well. Remember communion tonight. Don't forget communion, seven o'clock. I always want to remind you of that because we're forgetful. You know, as Peter says, I have to remind you over and over again because you forget. Yes. Thank you, Carol. Yes, that's what we need, someone who knows what they're doing. Um, instead of me just telling you to find them, right? I wouldn't be able to find them. Thanks, Carol. All right, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 with me, a passage I recently read at the gravesite of our brother um, Mark and Mark Hughes, and I've read many other times at many other burials over the past 30 years for brothers and sisters who have gone home to be with the Lord. This morning, we're going to be looking at how our eternal um, perspective affects our earthly priorities, and, and it really does. Um, when we think through of why do we do what we do, how we spend our time, how we spend our, our money, where we go, what we do, this is a very, very important subject. But first, I think we need to lay the foundation. We have to look at some scripture regarding the resurrection of believers. What a great and precious promise that is. I see Melissa back there. Amen, Melissa. Amen. The resurrection of believers, because it's impossible to live with an eternal perspective if you don't lay hold, embrace as truth the resurrection. You will not ever have uh, an eternal perspective. I've heard some who claim uh, to be Christians say that they believe in Jesus, they believe uh, and they, they think they're Christians, they just don't believe in a resurrection. Well, um, let's look at 1 Corinthians 15 because Paul has some words to say about the very gospel that saves us right here. A familiar passage, I'm sure. Maybe some of you could quote this, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 6. Now, I want to remind you, brothers, of the gospel. 
which I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, um, in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. And those words are important because he could tell the writers, you can go check it out, right? Most of them are still around. Very important words there, though some have fallen asleep. Those words fallen asleep used for believers in Scripture. So the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is, we see it's one of the most well-documented events in history. Actually, how many events actually happened with 500 eyewitnesses? Now, I'm not talking about 500 people watching TV, which maybe they could do some hocus-pocus and maybe you're really seeing what you're not. You better be ready for that because that's going to happen, all right? I mean, do you really believe anything that you... I used to see, uh, who as I said, believe um, nothing of what you hear and half of what you see and <laughs> whatever it is. It's almost like don't believe even what you're seeing anymore. But as an eyewitness, if you were there and you said, I saw it, 500 people, you could go, you could go check it out. Don't miss this all-important point Paul makes about the believer's salvation and the gospel, and that it's this gospel that Paul preached right? The gospel which must be believed, the death of Christ for our sins. Amen? His burial, which proved his death, being in the grave. His bodily resurrection, not a spiritual resurrection, physical bodily resurrection on the third day. And to support that or authenticate that, his appearance. I remember Jack Wirtson always used to say that. He'd say, yeah, if you ask him what's the gospel, he said, death, burial, resurrection, and appearance. <laughs> it always had the appearance in there. Well, why did he have the appearance in there? Because there's a lot of doctrines floating around out there that say, well, he was raised from the dead, but maybe not physically. Right? No. No. Appearance. Um, and authenticated many still alive at that time. That's the saving gospel of Jesus Christ that must be believed in its entirety for our salvation. No physical death, no gospel. No burial, that's why Paul puts that in there, to authenticate that, no gospel. No physical resurrection, no gospel. No authentication, no appearance. That's part of what Paul says, this is of first importance. No gospel. And over 500 people saw him. Go down to verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 15. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? Remember, Paul's writing to the church of Corinth. So there must have been some teaching or some, some things going on in that church that were saying, well, there really isn't a resurrection. We can believe a lot of this, but there is no resurrection from the dead. And if Christ has not, uh, but if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. That's an amazing statement. I'm a Christian. I don't believe in the resurrection. Your faith is in vain. Your faith is in vain. And my preaching, what am I doing? Just standing up here going through the motions. My preaching is in vain. 
We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we of all people most to be pitied. Just think of all the people that have been persecuted, martyred for their hope in Christ. And if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, we are to be, of all people, most to be pitied. No resurrection of Christ, no gospel, no forgiveness of sin, no eternal life. All have perished, no hope. No hope at all. One may say, I believe in Jesus. How dare you say I'm not a Christian just because I don't believe in the resurrection? That's because the Bible says that you must believe in the resurrection to be a Christian. <laughs> See, this is, this is very clear, very clear um, in, in Scripture. To some, the bodily resurrection of Jesus is foolishness. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 1.18 that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. The message of the cross is just another way of Paul saying the gospel message is foolishness to those who are perishing. Interesting. You know, as I preached at Brother Mark's memorial service, you always think of things you want to say after you preach. You know, I always and, and you know, it never fails. Somebody comes up to you and says, you know, why didn't you say that? You say, My answer is I can't say everything all at one point, okay? <laughs> but I did think of some things. I thought of all those firemen sitting next to me. All those firemen, faithful guys that go out and praise God for them, right? The rescue, the, the squad members and all those. And then all the people out. And I know among all those people, there had to be some that thought, what Ed Hart is saying is foolishness. <laughs> when is he going to stop talking? It's foolishness. I wanted to say, if that's what you're thinking, you are perishing. By the very definition of Scripture. If you think the gospel message is foolishness, you're one of those. You're one of those 1 Corinthians 18 Paul's talking about. (laughs) You're perishing if you think it is foolishness. But we read in verse 20 these precious words down. But the message, we finish that verse, right? The message across is the power of God for those of us who are being saved. So it's the message of salvation. So it's foolishness to those who are perishing. But if this, if you're being saved, if you're believing in this message, it is the power of God, which is what we read in Romans 1.16, right? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So we see that, that. But in verse 20, back in 1 Corinthians 15, these precious words, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Amen? Aren't you glad for that? those but verses in Scripture? <laughs> but God. I love those. I, always, I got them circled. When I go through my Bible, you see, but God, but Christ, but, but, but. We see that. Isn't that a wonderful? But in fact, Christ has been raised. So there are only two choices here. Either believe the gospel of Jesus Christ in its entirety, death, burial, resurrection, and also his appearing, authenticating his resurrection, be saved, or look at it as foolishness as we see in 1 Corinthians 1.18 and be among those who are perishing. My prayer this morning is that everyone here is trusting in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're sleeping right now, wake up. 
If you're looking at your phone, put it down, unless it has the Bible on. I know. Anymore. I, I just suggest get a real Bible, all right? You guys that use your phones, don't you like to hold the Word of God? Get your pen out and write in it. I know. I'm a little late on technology. I go through a Bible about every five years. I love my Bibles. I mean, it's a workbook, you know? But read, read, read your Bible and, and understand what God's Word is saying. So I can tell you, you must believe in the full, absolute death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sin and that all of that that Paul lays out for us in the gospel is to be believed and embraced in order to be saved. I'm just setting that stage for you because we're going to look at living with an eternal perspective. And you cannot do that apart from believing in the resurrection. You'll always get it wrong. You have to keep going back to that, yes, there is a future home. Yes, actually what this is all about. Brother Steve, he, he read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. This is what God has actually made us for, <laughs> that future home, that new body, new body in Christ. And I just want to encourage all of you, all of the hundreds of people that heard the gospel at Brother Mark's memorial service, pray for him. Where there is breath, there is hope. Amen? <laughs> they may think it's foolishness today, oh, but they may not tomorrow. Right? Wouldn't it be great to see just numbers of those people come to Christ? They heard the gospel. I think through the prayers of the saints, the gospel is working its way into those hearts that were there Saturday. And we, we look at that and we say, amen. So where there is breath, there is hope. Now to us who are being saved, the message of, we know it is the power of God. So how does this truth of the resurrection really impact our perspective of our daily lives? And it should drastically change our perspective, really, when, when we think about it, on life, on temporal and e eternal things. You may have heard it said, that guy is so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. Did you ever hear that? I'm here to tell you that if you're not heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. <laughs> because if you're not heavenly minded, you're not saved. And you're not going to do anything good that really matters. So that statement, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good, is a lie from the pit of hell. <laughs> you want to be earthly or heavenly minded so you can be some earthly good. Our problem is not that we think too much about heaven, it's that we think too little about heaven and too much about this earth. Let's look at a few passages here where we read what Jesus says about our thinking and our actions with regard to heaven. Go over to um, Matthew chapter 6 with me. A familiar passage, once again, many of you have been through these passages, but I want them to resonate in our hearts today and hopefully change the way we view life. Some of you young people are sitting here today. I'm going to tell you, you're going to get it wrong if you don't live with an eternal perspective. You're going to get it wrong. You're not going to experience the joy that comes from living life to its fullest when you live with that eternal perspective. Because it's all about, really, um, starts out with where you're storing your treasures, right? Where are you storing your treasures? Got a safe at home? <laughs> well, let's see what Jesus says. He says in verses 19 through 21, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, right? But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where moth and rust do not destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. And this is, what, this is really the key part of this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Interesting statement. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your treasure? What do you think? I mean, is it your bank account? Stock market? Maybe you got some gold and silver. I bought some, you know, gold and silver a while ago as an investment, you know. Yeah, I have it in a safe. Yeah. I'm storing that up. Is that wrong? So you have to start asking yourselves these questions. Where are my where are my treasures stored? And this is this is critical. This is critical. Randy Alcorn writes in his book Money, Possessions, and Eternity. He says, Send your treasures to heaven and your heart will follow. <laughs> so if your heart isn't in heaven, start sending your treasures to heaven. <laughs> and then your heart will actually go. Someday we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we will have our works judged, not our sin. Our sin is judged on the cross. Amen. So if any of you are scared about standing in front of the judgment seat of Christ, don't be scared for sin. Sin is judged. But you may be wasting your life on works, and they may be, uh, what is it, hay, straw, stubble, what they are, instead of precious stones, gold and silver, whatever. Um, So you don't want to see your works be burned up. So that's, that's important. We will stand before the Lord and we will give an account for how we used what he has given us. And only those treasures that have been stored up in heaven will actually last and will be of any significance. Only those works we have done in the name of Christ for God's glory will last for eternity. I, I praise God when we, we read a verse like Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Not saved by works. Not saved by those works. No, 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 don't get that wrong. No, God has prepared those works for the believers, for those of us who are saved by grace through faith in Christ. And then those good works, that is when we get to heaven, we all will be rewarded. That reward for our good works. And if you think you have rewards here, let me tell you something. You know, I got, I got one reward in high school. You know, now everybody gets a trophy. At least it seems that way. When I go to the graduations and I sit there, I'm going to be here for three hours. Because do you ever see the table of trophies when you go to the Wells graduation? <laughs> it's like, man, you get, a, you get a trophy for showing up, <laughs> you know. Well, it wasn't that way in my school, okay. Anyway, I got one little plaque. In all the years of high school, um, it wasn't for my brilliance. Okay? <laughs> and because I had to go to prayer meeting every Wednesday night, I couldn't play any uh, high school sports because they practiced. So I wasn't on any of the teams on sports, even though I loved them. So it wasn't for any sports. But I was the chess champion. <laughs> How about that, huh? Do I get any amens on that? Some of you are thinking, man, this guy's a real nerd, right? <laughs> well, anyway, that's, that's all I have to show. But I'm telling you, the rewards in heaven, I believe, are going to impact what we will be doing for eternity. When we look back, we're going to, I think, I don't think those rewards, he, and remember, Jesus says, what does he say? Store up for me treasures in heaven. Is that what he says? Is that what that verse says? What does he say? 
Store up for who? Yourselves treasures in heaven. I think that's an interesting verse. Because I think those treasures in heaven are going to enable us to serve the Lord in greater ways, in ways that we never experienced. Maybe, maybe I'll come back as the, the mayor of speculator, okay? I don't know. Or maybe I'll be the governor of a universe we don't even know exists today. I don't know. But I know they're going to be great. So we see those store for yourself treasures in heaven, and someday those treasures will be given out. Just how smart is it to store for ourselves stuff that moth and rust will destroy and thieves will break in and steal? And if they don't literally break in here, they don't have to break in in the Adirondacks, or at least in speculator, because most of us leave our houses unlocked. Whoops, better shouldn't have said that on the air, right? <laughs> better lock up tonight. <laughs> Keys are sitting in my car at home. <laughs> um, you know, when you think about it, but, you know, your, your identity can be stolen. You can have stuff missing. We hear it all the time. Bank accounts are emptied. Computer theft, all those things, it, it still can happen. So if it isn't moth and rust, and actually up here we see a lot of rust. So we can take that literally, right? We can take it literally. But when we start to ask ourselves just how smart is it, how smart is it to store for ourselves this stuff here? This stuff here. One writes, examine the plans, pursuits, and actions of whomever you wish, and you will find them to be entirely earthly. Thus we see our stupidity. <laughs> now he's not saying all our plans of everybody are all earthly. He's just saying, you look at your life and think through your week and think of what are the majority of your plans? the majority of your thoughts. And he's just calling it like it is. He's saying it's stupid. Randy Alcorn says the same thing in his book, Money, Possessions, Eternity. He says, if you're only storing up for this short time here, which is a vapor, he says, that's just not smart. We should be putting away for the future, for an eternity. So looking at those things from an eternal perspective. So number one, where we store up our treasures is critical. Number two, our time to enjoy these treasures stored up on earth is brief. The time to enjoy these treasures stored up on earth is brief. When I worked for AT&T, I was in personnel for a period of time, um, and I remember we did these, uh, we, we, we called them, I don't know, you looked at how long people would live, all right? And the average was back then, now this is going back a ways, okay, a few years, about 40 years, um, we figured that the average retiree would last about three years. And does that shock some of you? About three years. That was how long they'd last. And I, I remember guys saying, I just can't wait till I retire. Boy, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. You know, you start thinking, oh, you're working 50 years for three years? <laughs> Doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Life is short. Life is short. Eternity is long. Jesus told this parable. Go over to Luke 12 with me. Luke 12. Verses 16 to 21. And he told him this parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful, plentifully. And he thought to himself, Luke 16, or Luke 12, 16 to 21. He said to himself, What shall I do? I have nowhere to store my crops. He said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain, my goods, 
my snowmobiles, my tractors, my Miatas. Now I'm meddling, right? Okay. Right? And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. This night. Wow, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Don't disregard those words. Is it wrong to store up for your retirement? No. No, not at all. Not at all. As a matter of fact, I encourage it very strongly. Many pastors opt out of Social Security, thinking they can save that money. They get to the end of their pastor, and guess what? They didn't put that extra money away. They get to the end of their pastor, they have nothing. I don't have any retirement, I don't have any Social Security. I don't think that's wise, and I don't think that's a biblical thought. I think the Proverbs has much to say about that. So when you think about this, compared to the rest of the world, America, American, you got a Romanian here, it's okay. So you, could, you probably think this, all Americans are rich. And the fact is, we are. Just look over your shoulder at what we have. How many went without breakfast this, this morning because you didn't have any food, okay? Not because you're on a diet or something, right? I don't think too many, right? We have food. We have comfort. We have all kinds of things. So compared to much of the rest of the world, every one of us has big barns full of stuff to enjoy. And actually, Paul, this is really, really critical when you think through this because many people just shut this off right now. You're saying, oh, i got to live like a pauper. You know, Paul says something very in interesting in 1 Timothy 6. Go over there with me right now because I want to show you this. This is really important. That it's not wrong to enjoy what God has given you, his blessings, with a caveat. All right? And this is important because many people just dismiss this and they say, oh, I can't do that anyway, so what's the use? No. No, let's, let's look, let's think biblically because it's not wrong to enjoy the things God has provided for us as long as we are generous and willing to share with an eye towards eternity. You see, if you have an eternal perspective, it's going to change the way you think about this stuff. 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. As for the rich in this present age, that's all of us, right? It's all of us. Charge them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on, on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. You like that verse? I love that verse. <laughs> because I can sit down and eat a good steak, you know, and I don't have to feel guilty. I don't feel like I have to eat bread. Ed, you're sinning eating this steak. Well, sometimes maybe, but not always, okay? <laughs> Go down to what is it, Timeless Tavern or one of those down there, and they give you a steak, and man, it comes out like, this is big enough for my whole family. <laughs> so it might be wrong to eat that <laughs> at one sitting. So is it, is it wrong to enjoy? No, right here he says, God has given us all things to enjoy. So if he's given you blessings, enjoy them. Don't, you don't have to feel guilty. Any amens on that? Or is it just me? 
Good. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Yes, so, so we see this, right? So here we go. As for the riches, present age, that's uh, all of us ch charge them not to be haughty or set their hopes on uncertain riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. That's great news. I can enjoy all God's blessings without a guilty conscience. But we need to reread on here. They are to do good and to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, and read the rest of the verses here, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future. Or I would say better translation would be for the coming age. You see, see that? Actually, those of us who have been blessed with a lot, you can enjoy it. You can enjoy it just with an eye towards eternity and doing those good works, using those blessings also. You can enjoy it. Don't feel guilty. But using those blessings for the glory of God, sharing with other people. And by doing that, you are building a foundation in eternity. As I said earlier, what we do here is going to matter there, a foundation for what we're going to do in eternity. Is that good news? So you can enjoy. Don't feel guilty. If, you enjoy, if God has blessed you, you don't have to feel guilty. Unless you should feel guilty if you're stingy. <laughs> right? If you're not reaching out with those things that God has given you and sharing it with others, building that eternal foundation with an eternal view to glory. Oh, that's, it's, you know, it's, it's so interesting when we read these verses. The treasures we're storing up in heaven are a good foundation for our eternal enjoyment. What do we want to do? We live in a give-it-to-me-now society, McDonald's society. I want to enjoy it now. I want to have it now, right? And what he's saying is, oh, you're so short-sighted. Actually, you're stupid. You know, we tell our kids not to use that word. Bible uses that word. It's okay. Just don't use it, you know, calling each other that. I'm using it collectively. If this is what we're thinking, we're actually stupid because we are short-sighted, thinking temporally and not thinking eternally. And that's, that's not good thinking. So we're not just to eat bread, drink water, live in a tent, and walk where we need to go. God blessed Job with 3,000 camels. I only have three cars. And then after his trials, he blessed him with 6,000 camels. Is that okay? Then you read the life of Job. I believe when you read the life of Job, you see a man that if he saw a need, he took care of it. He took care of it to the best of his ability. And he still had 6,000 camels. <laughs> 6,000 camels. What are you going to do with 6,000 camels? No idea. Jesus said to the rich man in Luke 12, This night your soul will be required of you. We read in James 4.14, While you don't even know what will happen tomorrow, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Life here on earth is short. It's short. Life in heaven is long, everlasting, eternal. Do we really live with this realization, realization, this truth, or are we living like this is our home? We are sojourners here. We are foreigners. We are aliens. We are strangers. This isn't our home. We have a better home. 
So our time on earth to enjoy what we store up is brief. Third, God uses affliction, suffering, and persecution to refocus us to have an eternal perspective. God uses affliction, suffering, and persecution to refocus us to have an eternal perspective. Many Christians in in our culture live on this earth with the unrealistic expectation that their best life exists now. There's even a heretical preacher out there that preaches your best life now. That is not biblical truth. If you think this is your best life now, you're under a rock. You live under a rock. You haven't opened your eyes to what's going on in this, in this world around us. So I don't need to tell you that this life is filled with much joy for believers, yes, but it is also filled with much pain, sickness, and sorrow, and yes, even for believers. We just witnessed our brother Mark, 49, 49 years old, our brother Mark, and though we know, we can know he's enjoying eternal life in heaven because of his faith in Jesus Christ, his death brings much sorrow to all of us. Sorrow. This earth, it, it, there, is, there is sorrow. Sometimes it takes the passing of someone in the prime of their life to shake us out of our stupor and to bring us to the fact that life here on earth will not go on forever. How do you know what the day holds? Do you know what the day holds? I took Brother Mark for a biopsy. We rode down. We had a great time together. We talked as we, as we did. Got done with his biopsy. He said, do you have anything to eat yet? I'm hungry. Let's go get something to eat. Was it, was it Melissa three weeks later? Three weeks later, we were doing his funeral. You don't know. Storing up for you. You see how the, the writers many times can say that's just stupidity? I mean, we live in this, on this earth many times thinking, I'm going to go on forever. Now, we don't have a death wish, right? We don't desire to be unclothed, as Brother Steve read. <laughs> but we do. We should desire to be clothed with eternal life, true life, swallowed up in victory. And that's where we should be looking. So we see that. We, we see that here. Go over to 2 Corinthians 4, where Brother Steve read earlier. Let's just look at verses 8 through 11 quickly here. Speaking of this life here on earth for the believer. This life here on earth for the believer. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 through 11. Paul writes, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Does this sound like your best life now? We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. That is, we take up our cross and follow him. So that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life 
may be revealed in our mortal body. While we're here, the life of Christ can be revealed on how we live. And how we live is based on our perspective. Now go on down to verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart. Wait a minute. What do you do when you see the word therefore? Ask what it's there for. Good. Paying attention. So, what is the therefore pointing back to? Go back to verse 14. All right? Pointing back to the fact that because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. Therefore, based on the resurrection, based on the embracing of the truth of the resurrection, I believe more in the resurrection of of the, the believer, then I believe I'm standing here today talking to you. This may be, who knows, with technology today. No, I actually believe, I, I embrace the doctrine of the resurrection. And if you don't, you'll never have that eternal perspective. Now, therefore, based on the resurrection, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. Now, I know I don't look 72. What are you laughing at? You think I look 75. <laughs> but outwardly, you know what really struck me? Is I looked at my previous passports. You know, you get one every 10 years. <laughs> and I always keep them, you know. I keep them in there. And so I took my old passports out. And I looked at my photo 10, 20, 20 years ago. Then I looked at my photo 10 years ago. Then I looked at my new passport, and I said, who is that guy? <laughs> is any resemblance of those pictures is purely coincidental. <laughs> okay, We are outwardly wasting away, are we not? Can anyone argue with that? Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are what? Being renewed day by day. Inwardly I'm being renewed day by day. Inwardly I'm being renewed. Isn't that, isn't that a great, great verse? For our light and momentary troubles, your troubles light and momentary, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You see, your troubles are only light and momentary when they're viewed in light of the eternal, the, the weight of the eternal glory. You see, the, see what he's doing here? He says, you're light and momentary troubles. Paul isn't saying, oh, you're trouble. Just get over it, will you? Buck up. Come on, kid. Life is tough. No. He's not saying that. He's saying your troubles are only light and momentary when you have the perspective, the eternal weight of glory. Oh, can we get that into our heads? So then, what does he say? He says, so, what's really important here? It's where we fix our eyes. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen. (laughs) Anybody see Jesus this morning? But what is unseen? You know, when Jesus says, fix your eyes, we read that Hebrews 2, right? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So we see that, fix your eyes, where are your eyes fixed? Fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary. 
I'm looking at you. You're looking at me. Guess what? Temporary. <laughs> but what is unseen is eternal. Isn't that great? What is unseen is eternal. Having that view of eternity. If you're a believer here this morning, you have eternal life. You're eternal. Eternal life with Christ. If you have lost loved ones, they are with Christ. They don't want to come back as much as they love you. They are with Christ. They are home. Their work is done. Their, their struggle with sin is over. No more pain, no more suffering, no more disappointments. Isn't it great that Scripture tells us we will not be disappointed when we get to heaven? <laughs> I can eat everything I want. You're going to be donuts there. I won't be disappointed. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful truths. We, 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 don't want, we don't want to miss this great teaching. So God uses hardships in our life to move our focus from the temporal, fleeting things which, we are, see, which are seen to the eternal, lasting things which are unseen now but will be experienced someday forever. <laughs> that should give us hope. That should encourage us. Jesus tells us in Luke 6, 23, Bless are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice and leap for joy. Why? Because great is your reward in heaven. And by the way, this is the way they treated the prophets. So you're in good company. That's good news. That is good news. God uses this kind of persecution directed towards his children to rip us from our love of this world and refocus our minds and hearts on future rewards, living with Christ, what we will have, and this should cause us to leap with joy. How could Paul say, sorrowful, yet rejoicing? See the tension there? How could he say, I desire to depart and be with the Lord, but it's which is better by far. But for you and for your joy and your faith, I'm going to stay here. <laughs> you see that tension? He knew, knew what was ahead of him. Life will get more difficult, folks. I just watched a video. Maybe some of you saw that video of that Canadian pastor, not, not the one we were praying for, but the Canadian pastor that when the cops came to on Easter Sunday to kick him out of his church. He said, get out of here, get out of here, you bunch of Nazis, right? Well, yesterday he was arrested. He was pulled over and arrested, and they took him in cuffs and put him in jail, right? This, is, this isn't um, China, Soviet Union, Egypt. This is Canada. <laughs> this is just north of us. You think it isn't coming? your head out of the sand. It's coming. It's already here. It's already here. Life will get... Persecution is coming. So what should we do? Yes, we can enjoy all of God's blessings. Amen. Ride your snowmobile through that snow and enjoy God's creation. Don't do it with a guilty conscience. God has given you all things to enjoy. But oh, be careful. Be careful with those blessings to be generous to take care of those who are in need, to store for yourselves eternal treasures as you are enjoying what God 
has given you here. C.S. Lewis said, if I find a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is, I was made for another world. And Brother Steve read in 2 Corinthians 5 those exact words. God created us for another world. And we should be rejoicing in that. I'm going to close this morning with Colossians 3. If you want to open up there, Colossians 3. And I would say, if this does not stir your heart, then I have to ask you, are you truly trusting in Christ? I mean, what is your life? Where is your focus? I don't care how old you are. We have young people here that are planning on going to college. I have my whole life ahead of me, maybe. Maybe you have today ahead of you. What are you planning? What are you planning on? What do you look forward to? Colossians 3, 1 through 4, written to the believer. Written to the believer. Since then, right, you have been raised with Christ. Isn't that a wonderful doctrine? If you're a believer this morning, this applies to you. Since then, you have been raised with Christ, spiritually. You are in Christ, right? Unified, united with Christ. When he died, you died. When he was raised, you were raised. That union with Christ. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. Not on earthly things. What occupies the majority of your mind during the week? Earthly things, possibly. Set your minds not on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. If, if you're in Christ... Romans 6 teaches us that when he died, you died. For you died already, and your life is now hidden in Christ with God. When Christ, who is your life, true life, eternal life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Amen. And then that precious doctrine of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where it tells us, oh, be encouraged by these words. When Jesus comes, he's bringing those with him who went before us. I can't wait to meet Brother Mark coming down with Christ. Ah, what's that going to be? That is the blessed hope, folks. You believe that? Read First Thessalonians 4. It says, you know, I'm going to tell you about those who have fallen asleep in Christ. When Jesus comes, he's bringing with them those who have fallen asleep. And they're going to receive their bodies first. Their resurrected bodies. And that body is going to read Philippians Right? What is it? Philippians 3. That body's going to be just like the body of Christ. I can't wait for that. That sounds so cool. You know, the one thing we know about the body of Christ, you know what Jesus did in his resurrected body? He ate. He said, Give me some fish. I kind of wish he said, Give me some donuts, but he said, Give me some fish. All right? Fish is okay. I like fish. We're going to eat. 
We're not going to have any of these weaknesses, no ills, no the things you, you really can't stand about yourself. And let me tell you something. We, we will never, not only we will never be tempted, we will be unable to sin. <laughs> You're done. The war's over. It isn't like, oh, no, I'm going to have an eternity wrestling with this. Oh, who wants that? That's not something to look forward to. I look forward to that day when I will wrestle with sin no more. If there's anything I look forward to in heaven, it's that. And I will be in the presence of the one who loved me and gave himself for me. Wow. Let's pray. Father, only because of your love for us, only because you sent your son to take our place on that cross, taking our sin upon himself and dying on that cross, being buried and being raised to life on the third day and appearing before many people in that resurrected body. Only because of the truths of the gospel can we have any hope of eternal life. And Lord, you tell us that we must take this and embrace it By faith, by faith, believing what you have told us, that you have given this gift to us by your grace, unmerited. It isn't anything we've done for it. Matter of fact, what we have done is sin. And yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You demonstrated your love to us in that Christ died for us. Father, my prayer today is if there's anyone here or watching online, that today would be the day of salvation. As Pastor Stephen has been preaching, today is the day. Don't go another day. We don't know whether we have another day. I pray that anyone here who does not know Christ today, they would come to Christ. They would come to you and say, Father, I'm in need of a Savior, I'm a sinner, and I'm going to trust Christ and everything he did on my behalf for my salvation. Come into my heart and save me right now. Father, I pray for the many believers here that we would lift our eyes away from this earth and the trinkets and toys and all those things, Lord. Yes, we can enjoy all those things that you've given us, but Lord, may they not be central in our thinking. May we lift our eyes to the glory, your glory, to that eternal existence that you have promised us with you, with Christ in heaven for eternity. Lord, may that teaching, that doctrine that you give us so clearly in your word, direct the decisions that we make day in and day out. Oh, how living with an eternal perspective changes everything. May we have that perspective as we walk out of here this morning. Father, we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who loved us and gave himself for us. And to your honor and to your glory. Amen.